0: Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This week we're going to be reviewing two albums, the first by Enfios, Time Will Take Us All, and the second... What? Why are you laughing at me? Time Will Take Us Why did you say it like that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 this man Mancunian. Time Will Take Us All. Pe-
0: take us all. I didn't, didn't realise I did that.
1: <laughs> I didn't catch it.
0: I, I've been listening to loads of Brian Cox, and he's from, he's from up north, so I've been <laughs> listening to... To him, talk about physics all day. That probably I've, I've low key become. Time will take us all. Yeah that's, it. yeah, that's what I said. Sure. Oh my god! All right. Do you want me to do it again, or should we just keep going? Just keep going. Fuck okay. it. All right. Sorry, Amphios. Time will take us all in a non-Mancunian accent. And the second album is by Blood Rust at Glory's End. But before we go on to that, we have some cool, exciting Serpent Temple adventures to share with you. We went to see the Kerrang! book launch. For the, I've got it right here, Living Loud book by Nick Ruskell, I don't know if this is showing on camera, um, which is celebrating 40 years of, I quote, metal mayhem.
1: 40 years? That's 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 kind of wild, isn't it?
0: It's actually 42.
1: Is it? Because of the COVID. <laughs> I
0: think it's 42. But it was a really cool event. Um, oh no, I'm doing, I, I just heard it too. I said it, I said event in the Northern <laughs> accent. Oh God! I'm becoming Brian Cox.
1: <laughs> oh, just—it's. I'm, I'm not going to out him on here, but it's like remember with him um, the certain person at work who randomly has a Birmingham accent now. Maybe the same thing's <laughs> happening to you with the Mancunian <laughs> accent. What is
0: a Middle Eastern people taking on Birmingham <laughs> yeah, yeah. accents—it's so weird. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end the podcast like a completely different person. Um, but anyway, we went to the we went to the launch party. Me, Floyd, and Shem. Um, and then we also went to like a and a panel, just me and Shem on Wednesday. But the launch party was so sick. It was at The Social in London, um, which is actually a venue that we realised that Shem had played with his sister and his old band. And then um, on, the, on the night, it was like just all the bands. It was Yumi at six were there, the guy from, I think he was there.
1: Was there Justine from yeah, Employ to Serve? Yeah.
0: Justine from Employ to Serve, the pupil slicer folks were there as well, which was really cool. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, the really tall guy that I nearly went up to thinking he was a guy from a, a festival. That I, I'm, going, I'm glad I didn't, because that would have been awkward. <laughs> um, yeah, and like obviously Nick was there, and Emily from Witch Sorrow, who's also his partner. It was just really lovely. Um, and we also met Nick's dad, who's like the coolest dad in the world. He's legit like one of our favourite dads we've ever met.
1: I have to say, it's, they've done an absolutely fantastic job with the book. I was reading yes. a couple of excerpts, and it's just like I can't wait to have a proper read myself.
0: Yeah, so it's, a, it's a really nice. It's got like loads of, it's got like loads of um, bits from features. It's got it's got loads of interviews. Lars Ulrich from Metallica, in case you weren't aware, what band he's in, did the um, the intro, and then you, they've got this cool thing for like loads of different decades where they've got the top albums for each year that they've ranked, which is really interesting. There is some that like you totally agree with, and others that you don't. Um, and then, yeah, there's like loads of really amazing pictures, some of which I you're scrolling through and some of which I was like, oh, that used to be on my wall when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, I recognised bits of it from growing up, which is such a trip to be looking at that. Because, yeah, I didn't... It was it was interesting to meet other people who realised it was... Like, who were talking about how it was formative for them because it was certainly formative for me.
1: And I think, you know, we're from that generation that's still kind of... Um, benefited and developed our musical tastes based on you know like the actual physical press Mm. whereas like now like you know take from when we were interviewing cam for example he was talking about how he discovered all this shit through like youtube recommendations and i'm just like man i used to like just like read magazines and see which albums were coming out you know and it was um, funny enough um when you were talking about how they're doing like the best albums of the decade i remember when metal hammer done like the top 100 heaviest albums of all time and 99 was acacia strain <laughs> uh 3750 and I'd never heard of them before. And that actually so it was actually Metal Hammer that got me into Acacia strain. No I checked him out and I was just like, oh, this is actually pretty fucking heavy.
0: The funny thing for me was that and we only, I only realized it. So I've always known and I've always told the story that I got into metal when Kerrang! wrote a review of Antichrist by Akakoka when it came out. Um, and I went and, and bought it and that was like the first metal I listened to. That and System of a Down was like the same week that I think it was Hypnotize or Mesmerize. One of those albums came out. So that's how I got into metal was through Kerrang! But I, I was talking to Nick about it the book release, and he wrote the Aka review that got me into heavy metal. It's
1: a circle of life, man. (laughs) It's so
0: fucking, what are the chances? What are the chances? If he hadn't written that review, I would never have gone to the show where I met Shem and formed Lowen. And we wouldn't be sitting here at this podcast right now doing any of this if it wasn't for that one review. It's all because of Nick. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Cheers, man.
1: That's the butterfly effect for you, isn't it?
0: So fucking weird. Can I
1: just say I've said it before, but like, what an introduction to the genre! Like Akka <laughs> and System of a Down, everything must have sounded so fucking boring and after it that. Did. Yeah, yeah. It did. <laughs> like I worked up from like Nirvana. At least like I had like such a gradual like easing into it that it was just but nah, just straight in with um, I first, remember The
0: first issue of Kerrang! That I read, uh, I can't remember who was on the cover but I saw a review for Prowler in the Yard by Pig Destroyer and that fucking cover was so scary I was just like what
1: on earth is this
0: (laughs) changed everything man I was just, just like yeah I got straight into that it was awesome
1: Oh, I can't remember how I discovered Pig Destroyed. You know, it was probably because I was mad into Relapse Records in the early 2000s. And I think I saw, like, I would, like, when I was looking through CDs, mainly in Tower Records, which was, which was then taken over by Virgin, which is now, I don't even know what the fuck's there at the moment, but it was a closed store for a while. But that was one of the best CD stores in London, albeit very expensive. Um, and yes, yeah, so I used to literally just go and check what labels the bands were on. And then, so if I saw, like, Relapse, then. And because I think that's how I got into death as well. Because like oh, death, yeah, no. all their albums got reissued on relapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, I just took that as like the sign, like the stamp of approval for any album. Yeah, yeah and I saw Prowl in the Yard and I was thinking, yes, I saw the album cover. And I was just like, oh, this looks fucking a bit, uh, bit insane. <laughs> it
0: was so wild. When when we went to the, there was like a kind of panel affair at um, Rough Trade Records East on Wednesday. It was the first time I've been to East London in like 10, 15 years. It was interesting um (laughs) it was kind of cool actually because it was like it was just the uh, iftar was starting so people were ending their fast for ramadan and it was kind of beautiful i liked that um and then like yeah we walked into rough trade east and like you could still i think you still buy records but they were playing music and it was like closed and you got a book when you walked in as well which was really lovely um and then there was like a This kind of panel so was an audience and Nick was the first thing he did. He talked to Simon, is it Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, which was crazy because I used to have from Kerrang! a poster of Simon Neal when they did the puzzle artwork and he's like covered in the puzzle drawings and him with like all the equations drawn on him. I used to be obsessed with Biffy Clyro, like very early on for like, they're a really good band, honestly, because they have really interesting vocal lines and that really influenced me much later on. Um it was like a foundational influence for me. So it was wild to see him there.
1: Yeah. The Scottish band, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He was really cool. He was really he cool. Was great, yeah. yeah, he looked like um, like a mighty Boosh version of a physics teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just had great <laughs> vibes. Yeah. yeah. And then after him, um, it was, is it Josh from You Me at yeah, Sex? It Franceschi. Franceschi. should it Franceschi. <laughs> Franceschi up to you you're cool and then it was uh, justine from employed to serve and luke morton who's the current editor of kerrang because nick's i think the features editor
1: oh i didn't realize luke morton was with kerrang now because he, he he was with metal hammer for i a bit, think right, he yeah? was with metal yeah. hammer yeah it's funny because when you re- used to read those magazines you used to see the same names all the time yeah you like do, your malcolm yeah. domes and your stuff and yeah and um oh. of course um forgotten their other names <laughs> <laughs> There was one that's in my head, but just my Ian brain's Wynwood? just Yeah, that was a common one. <laughs> yeah.
0: Luke Morton looks so young. At one point he went up to Nick to talk to him and I thought it was someone asking him to sign their book. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I think I used to follow Luke Morton on Twitter like ten years ago. Like way before I, I don't know if he was like in involved in those mags but I remember like Metal Twitter was such a small community and I would talk to Malcolm Dome and Luke and all these different people on there it was so weird to see how it's all grown and how everyone's like, either in a band or they're a journalist or involved in this or that. And it was interesting to see at that panel there was like generations of musicians and journalists because then you have like, you've got Simon Neal who we all grew up with and he's kind of, he he was young when it all happened, but he's kind of grown up to... By the looks of it, and then you have like Justine from Employ to Serve which is like relatively new band in I comparison. Saw them so many times at the Unicorn in Camden when I lived there, yeah. I watched them so many times at Tiny Little gigs. Oh, yeah. I don't I think I've ever seen them. Uh,
1: they literally were supporting Gojira on yeah. the European leg, like, so, so I saw them open up for them, and they were, they were sick. Like, I think you know.
0: Enphios was actually on that bill. I think they were playing with Gojira because I remember I wanted to get us pressed to go see them.
1: It was an Alien oh, Weaponry. Ah, it was. MPS MPS was with,
0: were um, with uh, and,
1: uh, It was with some. And,
0: yeah, uh, that was it. Proptic was, was it? I can't remember. It was. Name. I'm. That's it. Yeah, yeah we, we couldn't go. No, we were too scared of getting ill because we had something important. That we were, we yeah, we had too. to play a gig like a few days later, and every time we go to a gig, we get sick. Yeah. So I can't. I kind of want to like fuck I'm up. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. But it would have been really cool to see them play.
1: They were really good, and like in be fair, Alien Weaponry was sick as well because they're like last time I saw them, they're like fifteen. No way. Um, was that a gig, by the way? Not. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Floyd. It was. Not in the dark way. Yeah. <laughs> oh God.
1: And but yeah, because they stuck. Because there was a lot of buzz about them because they were literally like kids when they first formed that band. And obviously, you know, you could only be so polished as a yeah. musician at that age. But like now, there seemed to be quite like a well-oiled machine. So it was uh, it was good poor choice of words.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. It was a very poor stop choice. Stop before
1: I incriminate myself any further. Oh, my <laughs> God.
0: Good Lord. But yeah, that's that's the book. It's 20 quid. Um, I believe you can buy it at like, most record stores, your, your places you can buy books. It's called Kerrang! Living Loud. Four decades on the front line of rock, metal, punk, and alternative music by Nick Rascal, forward by Lars Ulrich of Metallica. So do go check that out. Um, and moving on to Enfios. Time yes. will take us all
1: yep so sorry <laughs> <waiting> from sorry
0: <laughs> oh you can have this by the way this is yours because we all have one each now oh no way yeah oh sick You can put it in my bag later hell yeah
1: as well as that food your mum made earlier <laughs>
0: that... it's very blue peter moment
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's uh, entheos yeah do you know what i have i had very little prior knowledge of this band I think I remember seeing them being interviewed by Metal Injection a few because I don't know if you ever watched any Metal Injections a series they did, which was called Ask the Artist, where they yeah. asked them like questions and I just loved love those videos. So it was just Aww. perfect like like viewing fodder where you're having like a quick snack or something. But like I saw them there and like It
0: always comes back to food review. Yeah. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. What were you eating when you first read Kerrang?
1: <laughs> right, it was um Yeah, so you know, this is the first time I'd ever listened to them. Well, Shem played a track from this album, In the Car, which I believe was the first track on the album. And I was like, this is sick. This sounds like a tech death, Mashuga. And I think that's probably like maybe the best way I could sum it up in layman's terms. Like, you know, anybody who's ever listened to Mashuga, who listens to this album, can tell there's obviously a, a massive. Uh, frederick thord and influence with the guitar especially like a lot of the lead work but like saying that like they're definitely um kind of drawn from a lot of different kind of vocal um vocal but like mu- musical styles here i think the guitars it's very jazzy it is you know similar to and like it's very like rhythmic and polyrhythmic but there's just um but it's very groovy as well like i yeah, really I love that really enjoyed this album and what i also thought was quite cool when i was listening to it, cause, What I tend to do when I review an album is I do it track by track. So I listen to a track, pause the track, write some notes, and then kind of like gather my thoughts before I move on to the next track. So the second time I listened through to it, it was just like a full listen through. And I realized that the album actually like flows straight through. So it's like one cohesive. And I was like, that's fucking sick. And then like, I didn't really pick up on that first time I listened to it. So It's like a
0: musician's band. Yeah. 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 It's really, there's some...
1: Yeah, they're so sick. So I'll give a little bit of background information for those who are not well-versed with the band's history. So they are from Santa Cruz, California. So we've covered quite a lot of California bands in our time here. Um, this is their first album, Metal Blade Records. So they're signed to like a major label now. So I could see them getting put on some good tours. I could imagine, funny enough, I could see them actually do, going down quite well if they were like billed with like a uh, Gojira, for totally. example. yeah. Um, they used to be on Spinefarm Records, which is an interesting one because every time I think of Spinefarm, I just think of Children of Bodom.
0: Oh my god, they were on Spinefarm, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think
1: they Sp- I think there must be a Finnish label because I think most of the Finnish bands were on Spinefarm. Were
0: well, Bodom, Finnish. Yeah. yeah. I did not know. He looks Finnish. No. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because
1: Bodom were there, and then and that other band, Karma, You ever listen to them? Like a oh, Bella yeah. Death band. Swank. They're pretty sick. Swamp band. Swank. Yeah, yeah. They got yeah. They got loads of albums. <laughs> like Swamp Lords, Swamp yeah. King. Yeah. No. <laughs>
0: I just think of someone who's not showered when I hear the word swamp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we'll see enough of that when we go to Hellfest later in the year.
0: <laughs> That's going to be us.
1: But yeah, and as far as I'm aware, this, this is a two-piece band currently. So we've got Naveen Copperweiss, who handles all instrumentation, and then Chaney Crab on vocals. Um, you do have Evan Brewer listed yeah, yeah, on bass as well. Yeah. I'm presuming it was maybe it's a session bassist? I think or? he used to be
0: part of the band, he's, and then he couldn't yeah, he, he had other stuff. I think he's too busy to tour with them. Cool. Yeah.
1: Like committed to the band and... cool, so very much a member of yeah. sorts of okay cool mm-hmm. um, and i do want to talk a little bit about cheney crab's vocals i think hell um, yes an insanely like powerful but also versatile vocalist i love the different types of styles going on here yes like there's like super guttural moments like the highs are kind of a bit like travis ryan from Cal- decapitation absolutely it's kind of got that goblin-esque kind of quality to it in the best way yeah, in the very best way. Yeah. Um, and then there's even more of, like, a hardcore tinged kind of, like, shouting that I like. Very similar to... Don't know if you ever listen to the band Burnt by the Sun? No. There were another relapse band that had, like, a bit of momentum in the early 2000s. But, like, Mike, the vocalist from that band, has got one of the most abrasive, like, sh- such a sick band. Like, the drummer Dave Whitty, oh, who's the current that. drummer oh. for Municipal Waste. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but he was, he was the part of Human Remains, who, like, disembowelment as just one of those, like, legendary bands that just... You know, their their names like etched in the annals of like extreme metal history. But yeah, no, so but Cheney's vocals are just absolutely phenomenal. And one thing I thought was really cool on one of the tracks, I've got it listed on my note, but this is the new phone, so my phone keeps going off every now and, <laughs> oh, and again. Is nice. um there's this cool moment where like the vocals, the clean vocals and the harsh vocals are dual layered. Yeah. And then there's like a, a lead guitar melody that comes in that's mirroring the vocals. So you've yeah. got like clean vocals, harsh vocals, and then the main lead riff are all playing the same melody and i just thought that was just super cool and there's loads of moments on this album that are very quite like unconventional yeah take loads of cool twists and turns but that's enough of me what did you think about the album
0: well i thought was i bloody loved it mate so basically um i got into Mphios because um they so naveen and cheney actually have a podcast called the copper crab podcast oh nice um and it's really good um, and like Shem started listening to it and I overheard him listening to it and I was like I'm going to start listening to it too because this is really good and there are a couple who are in a band and it's like well it's like me and Shem we're in a two-piece and we're a couple and there's like loads of really relatable things and like hearing a lady singer talk about being in a band in like a badass way was just really cool and inspiring and like they're, they're like you know quite a few levels above us but hearing them talk about music is really interesting because I'm just like oh that's what I need to try and get to So there's like really cool moments with them that's like informed me as a musician and I really respect them as people. And then like, Fucking hell, man. Chinese vocals are so cool. Like her Instagram, she has loads of reels of her singing Mm. and like she looks so fucking cool when she sings and you can see like how powerful like her muscles are in her neck and like the way she moves like her face is like you can see how that shapes the vocals and the power of the vocals and everything. Um, And yeah, it's really fucking cool. And then like, yeah, obviously like Naveen's um, instrumentation is like so impressive. And the way that they work together is like, it's really beautiful it's very inspiring so i've always had a lot of respect for mfios and i was really excited for this album to come out because i remember listening to the podcast last summer and hearing them talk about doing it yeah. so that's really cool and they also like moved across the country um which is like we moved but not across the country america's like way fucking bigger um and like the stress is that but they built their own studio basically which is fucking awesome and like it was it's just really nice to hear musicians talking about music in such a positive way, and having like such a interesting time of like making an album and doing it the way they've done it, and it's really cool to see the end result and it's really bloody good, it kind of reminded me of Ithaca's album from last year,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see some parallels there. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I think it's cool now to hear like bands coming through the other end of the pandemic that are now starting to release albums and making strides again. I think yeah. now that you're able to tour and stuff. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying that it's 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 easier because there is many still many fucking challenges out there in terms of making a dime in this scene. But like, or even 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 just being the band and not hemorrhaging money at every turn is becoming a challenge. Yeah. But like, I think you know, this album just kind of reminds me that the scenes kind of like becoming healthier again and there are bands that still out there taking new risks and like things are moving in the right direction again Yeah, because I felt like for the last few years there was so many bands that just the only bands that were releasing albums were maybe bands that have been sitting on the music for a while and were just like well fuck it I'm just going to release it because like fucking we've got the music here, you know, we can't do anything with it, but we, you know, there was not that saying there wasn't any passion behind the music, but like, it was hard to get hyped about albums when you know that, you know, that you're not going to be able to see, see them on tour. And there's just not much, you know, press about any of the albums because everything was just so uncertain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um But yeah, so I think, you know, I think just the vibrancy of this album just kind of reminded me that things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, And I think, you know, just another point about the vocals as well. It's cool because like, I remember, you know, having listened to extreme music for a while. Like I remember when uh, arch enemy were first getting big when the when angela was the vocalist and you know like the attitude towards um female singers that just happened to be a harsh vocalist was always so kind of you know misogynistic i was just like oh yeah they're a good singer for a girl
0: yeah
1: but like i think what's cool about cheney is like she is just one of the best vocalists period like yeah you know, there's, there's nothing no, to do with her gender. It's got absolutely yeah. to do with gender like it's an absolutely like brutal vocal style irrespective of that. So.
0: yeah yeah she's so fucking cool and like yeah the, in, instrument musically it all comes together really beautifully you
1: know yeah there's there's one track which i think actually kind of blew my mind a little bit it was the second last track the sinking sun yeah which was my uh, oh that <laughs> like it's one of those songs and there's this there's very few moments this happens but like sometimes if a song is that good and there's a section that's just so kind of like like mosh heavy and just like <laughs> intense like i have to just pause it and be like okay that's I'm getting a bit too worked up. <laughs> but it's uh there's certain moments on this song that I just thought was just absolutely ridiculous. Like 1 minute 21 there's an absolutely disgusting breakdown. Yes. Like one of the filthiest breakdowns ever. And then even later on in the fucking track like 4 minutes 34 there's like another breakdown and there's so many and even after that there's still so many change-ups and like just grooves and riffs. Like it's such a riff heavy album. Like the instrumentation is just absolutely uh, top notch. And, you know, and I think it's cool that they're obviously paying some homage to like Meshuggah and, you know, like Ford and playing style. But at the same time, they're definitely putting their own twist and their own spin on it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not plagiarism by any, by any means, but it's definitely, you know, you know something that stands on its own two feet.
0: Totally. I think um, both of the albums this week, they're insanely good gym albums. The yeah. really really good albums to like listen when you work out, and like I remember going to the gym the day this came out and being like, okay, I'm gonna play the MPOS and I just fucking blasted through my workout. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember like being on being on the machines, being like, yes, this album rocks, and like feeling powerful because of all the power on the album. And like I've got to say, and this is a good way to move on to Bloodrust, um, at Glory's End, that was a that was the perfect, the most perfect gym album I've ever fucking listened to
1: it's it is an absurdly heavy album yes yeah
0: yeah so let's move on to at glory's end by bloodrust
1: i think the thing that strikes me most about the glory's end that i really liked like everything about the album i really enjoy musicianship just the vocals but i think what really makes or breaks a death metal album especially in today's scene where the with where the scene is just so oversaturated with so many bands you know, like copying the OSDM style or, you know, doing their own take on the brutal style or the tech deaf style, you know, I think what makes or breaks a band is the production levels, and just yes. the guitar sound and everything. Yeah. And like this, it kind of reminds me of some of the earlier Bloodbath albums. Like it's got that kind of HMO2 fuzz to it. And it's just like so buzz sore. And sometimes you lose some of the brutality when it's too buzz sore. Like yeah. the production's a bit too weak and it's like thin. Just right. But no, in here it's like you know, it's just absolutely so brutalizing. And just some of the riffs are just absolutely glorious. And yeah no i was gonna say because this so this was released on um is it archaic sounds
0: oh okay yeah. which is the
1: label who also had 1914 for their first two albums oh, did
0: they? and like
1: you, you just totally see that that, that that label's got a style that they like because yeah. it definitely reminds me in 1914 a lot
0: yes in the way totally. that you know
1: it, it sounds like warfare you know much mm. in the same way that boat throw and memoriam did at certain parts oh my god and their discography but no
0: the way When I listen to this, like so basically we got turned on to this because Phil Wadey from Phil's Breakfast Metal did bass on this album. So it's actually a one-man band, um, which is run by our... Wait, I think it's Richard... Yeah, Richard Keenahan, who lives on the Falkland Islands, which is wild. Like, I did not think... I, I really would love to know how Phil got to playing bass on this album, like how these guys know each other. I'm really curious as to the connections here. And like, you know... Uh, I saw him posting about the album and I was like, oh, cool, I'll check it out. It just came out, I was on my way to the gym. So I put this album on and I was like, what the fuck? This is one of the best records I've listened to in a really long time. Like this is on a level with Zompantly, which was like my album of the year last yeah, year. Nice. Um, and like this sounds to me like Benediction, Bolt Thrower, um, fuck, like basically like three or four of my favorite bands just playing at the same time yeah. in a good way. Like it's so fucking good. And there's, like, elements of, like, almost punk. There's, like, with the drumming at times. And then, obviously, like, the fucking bolt thrower influence, the 1914, like, the war elements... But it's just really good. Yeah. Like not that it wouldn't be. It's just really fucking good. It's like it's glorious. Yeah. The whole album is like triumphant, going on to despairing, but there's groove all the way through it. And it's like I remember like being on like some like running star machine and just running really fast, like way faster <laughs> than I normally do. <laughs> I probably looked really scary while I was doing it. Yeah, this this is like one of my favourite albums I've listened to so far this year.
1: It's really fucking good. Yeah. And it's I, I think was it you, Sham, that was saying that it is literally the only band registered as being from the Falklands Islands.
0: Really? It might, it might be, I can't remember. That's crazy. Might
1: have just made up that fact.
0: <laughs> well, who's gonna disprove <laughs> us? <laughs> I, I, I
1: might have made it up, but I will tell you what I didn't make up. Elton John is on the fucking Metal Archives because I checked it. He's nice. on there, he done
0: nice. guest
1: piano on the Saxon album. So he's got his own Metal Archives entry. I wasn't lying.
0: <laughs> oh my god, you know what a I re- called the fighting pig band. <laughs> okay. That that's cool. cr- uh, well, that's not that's Discogs, not Metal Archives. So Still from yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: I've never been. It's funny because Falklands Islands, I think, is distance-wise, it's probably. No, you're
0: right. It's on Metal Archives. They are the only band. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nice.
1: It's. I'm pretty sure distance-wise, they're they're really close to the Faroe Islands as well.
0: Uh, it's like off the coast of South America, right? Or am I completely wrong?
1: No, no. It's a F- no Falklands Islands is like, oh, Falklands
0: because of the war
1: fuck's sake do you know what i'm thinking of <laughs> jersey no, no i'm thinking of fucking orkney and shetland for some reason yes <laughs> oh so
0: like, ignore I'm, I'm what the Falcon fuck Island. i was <laughs> saying jesus christ Racism. <laughs> you're a racist no,
1: this makes so much more sense with the lyrical content of the album now
0: oh, i was literally thinking what the f- on, archipelago uh, yeah of course darling. yeah
1: near yeah, argentina yeah i don't know why in my mind i correlated falklands with orkney and shetland i don't know why maybe because shetland ends with land (laughs) unbelievable
0: that's really sweet i love that
1: well took took it to to us actually recording for me to realize that
0: (laughs) that's why i was like wow it's so crazy there's a metal band on the falkland islands Yeah. yeah
1: I'm gonna to check to see if there's any metal bands in the Orkney and Shetland Islands afterwards. Oh, as well. it's gotta be. That's why I was talking about the Faroe Islands. I'm shit at geography, but I'm not that shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've done enough quizzes <laughs> <laughs> in my time to know where the, the Falklands are, thankfully.
1: Oh, Back to the album. It is really fucking good. I think Hell, Winter's Gate is probably my favourite track on the album. That's And all the tracks are quite long, but they hold your attention. They do. Which I think is, you know, something that is sometimes um, hard to do with a Death Metal album. Yeah. Especially with a Death Metal album where the tracks are typically going past that five minute point. You get to a point where you're like, oh, okay, I just got fucking get on with it. But there's a, enough variety on this album it kind of keeps me enough like guitar transitions and you know it's just just the overall production of the album i just think just really lends to the lyrical uh subject matter and it's just absolutely fucking um yeah stonking is the word i would use
0: i'm very hard to please when it comes oh. to that what you're talking about like holding my attention i very quickly zone out but i did not once with this album i like i'm listening to it all the way through which is a very impressive feat but what shocks me is that not enough people have bought this album on Bandcamp. Yeah. More people need to go and buy this album. I implore you, go and check it out. I think it's is literally only like pay what you want or something as well.
1: Seven pounds. It's seven pounds,
0: seven, pounds. seven, seven quid. quid. Nice. Yeah, we just bought it, so yeah, I think it it's, it's It's
1: it's kind of like one of the downfalls of um, releasing music in this era, though, isn't it? I think yeah. it's so easy to get just lost in the wave of new music, especially when you, you're releasing it digitally. Because I think a lot of bands just can't afford to do like you know the CD presses and vinyl presses and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and even when we look at the Metal Archives episode, like a band like Lost Abbey, for example.
0: Oh my God, I would, honestly, I've been trying to find members of, I've been Googling all of the members that are on the Metal Archives and I cannot find a single one of them. I would pay to release that stuff on cassette. Yeah, Like, and, the, you know, probably Bloodrust, I would do the same for them as well. Like there's a, there's a handful of bands that I've listened to. I'm just like, why the fuck aren't these guys? Like, well, I, I would pay for them to be able to sell their stuff
1: stuff but that's one of the good things about doing the podcast isn't it it's just yeah. like it's just it's good to under, to discover and review shit which you know kind of deserves the spotlight
0: yeah i mean honestly I'd, i think maybe we should start like a serpent temple label or something
1: could do yeah
0: temple records can i be the
1: brian slago of the <laughs>
0: <laughs> Slagle stone
1: can i be the digby pearson <laughs> <laughs> no digby's here <laughs>
0: I don't know who I'd be. Like, just some guy, I guess. <laughs> some dude, man. <laughs> just some dude, man. <laughs> I totally forgot to say um, about Emphios, by the way, that this is a very chaotic podcast in terms of uh, structure. But however, I wanted to, to mention that Naveen and Chaney have been like extremely prolific in the other bands that they've played with. Um, and that Naveen has actually done like session work for like multiple Machine Head tracks. On, oh, um, cool. the most recent album. He's done stuff for Whitechapel, um, for The Valley, on the album by Whitechapel called The Valley. He's like played in Job for a Cowboy, Animosity, Artificium uh, Sanguis, Sanguis. Animosity is sick. Flesh Rort. Is he? A,
1: a is he? Yeah. yeah. He's
0: played in Sleep Terror and he's played live for Animals as Leaders as well. Um, and Chaney's done, um, I think she's actually done some work with like video game voicing Jesus. as well uh, the oh cool resident evil she's jill valentine's voice yeah oh no way. how cool is that yeah. that's sick that's so fucking cool, okay, cool. yeah she's also played in Allegion as well um like live and it says from citizen to soldier i don't know that and systems as well
1: did you see the clip of the um speaking of video games they posted um the clip of the people that do the voice work for the clickers from the last of us no and it's just like they're making like all the noises and it's, it's kind of cool. Huh. Yeah.
0: There's like um an Instagram for this there's this um special what is it? Agency, I guess, that take metal musicians like vocalists and supply them for video game companies.
1: I would love to do that.
0: Yeah, Monster honestly, yeah. yeah, Monster Factory. I would,
1: I'd be so down for that. You
0: basically submit a voice reel. I need to record a voice reel because you know that.
1: Mike Patton did all the um, noises for you know, that film. Um, I am Legend with Will Smith. No,
0: did yeah, he do that? He did all
1: the, well, the like the weird zombie vampire fucking things.
0: Terrifying. He done
1: all the voice work for all those things. He did, there was a video game where he. Did- there was, wasn't there? Yeah, I can't remember what video game well, it you was. You know
0: who holds the world record for having the largest range for any vocalist ever?
1: Does not surprise me. He's I mean,
0: incredible. He's
1: probably the most talented vocalist of all time. I think it's got I'd like say. an
0: eight octave range or something yeah. stupid like that. Yeah, this is, well, I don't know if the podcast can see. They certainly can't hear it, but the website is very cool and they've got, like, videos of people doing the voices for different monsters on um, video the, games.
1: There's a great clip, C- can't remember the guy's name, who done the voice of Predator and Optimus Prime. It's the is same it? Person.
0: That's so cool. And the
1: Predator voice he does is so cool, the way he does it. It's like like, like a slam band, the way he gurgles. <laughs> it's so sick.
0: I cannot hear Optimus Prime or look at Transformers because of working in Hamleys in the past. Oh, that
1: ba- <laughs> It's oh, like an Optimus
0: Prime, but he's like, Autobots. <laughs> For several, I <laughs> like you. I heard it like 50 times that, a day, many yeah. days. So I, I just cannot ever get into Transformers now. That's fair, yeah. It is, yeah. Well, I think that's probably a good place to leave it as two brilliant albums. I think so. Kind of I was just gonna say
1: one more thing because you mentioned that um, the members of antheos are quite prolific. It's worth, also worth mentioning that Old Drake from Avile does do a guest spot on the seventh track of the Bloodrust album.
0: No, yeah. what the fuck.
1: So yes, he's got quite a good that's quite even a good feature. That. Yeah. Do you know, I, I I've never listened to a vial, but I've seen him live a few times and I always w- was impressed by them.
0: I have a weird story with Avile. Um not that weird, but this is not as weird as what I say it's a weird story. Uh, like many many years ago, well over I think I was like 16 or maybe 17, so well over a decade ago, I was at Hell Hell not Hellfest. Hammerfest. 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 Um in like Prestaton in Wales and it was held in like this old um like holiday encampment thing. You know it was really depressing like, like Butlins. Yeah, it was literally at Butlins. It was no. at Butlins. Um and like after the shows I was wandering around with a pan of frozen uh, oven chips, like a saucepan of frozen oven chips. And we wandered, we would, you'd just wander around into the flats and people would like invite you in. They'd be having like weird little flat parties. And there was one, and like one of the members from Evile, I don't think it was old Drake. Um, he was in there and he was in there with his wife and it was like a bunch of people. And we just like sat there and ate loads of like cold oven chips <laughs> out of a saucepan and talked about great frog jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Frank
1: Mullins on Monster Factory. Oh, no way. Yeah.
0: That's so cool. Oh, that's jokes. They followed me back on Instagram. I should probably send them a voice reel.
1: So if I play a game, they hear like a thick, like guttural New York accent. I know it's, uh, <laughs> I know it's Frank Mullen.
0: What are you doing here?
1: <laughs> I'm walking here. I'm
0: walking here. <laughs> that's
1: so cool. I'd I'd pay good money to watch Suffocation with Frank Mullen. I never got the opportunity. I think they're still with the guy from Discourge, the Californian Discourge, I think. But, um, yeah. Oh, they're playing um, Incineration. Oh. Which is coming up. I'll be going Incineration.
0: The, when it's like 10th of May, is it? Yeah,
1: so that's got Enslaved, um, Rotten Christ, good uh, Suffocation. Good. Oh, yeah. Witch which Sorrow, sorrow, sorrow playing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Shout out Witch Sorrow.
1: I mean, it's yeah. on my doorstep, so I'll be going.
0: Yeah, it'll be very easy for you. Yeah, it's true. Well, I think we should probably leave it at that for real. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's- right. Thank you so much for listening. Tell us what you think. And um, are you going to buy the Kerrang! book? Are you going to listen to any of these albums? If you do, tell us if you liked them or not. And feel free to write in with any questions, advice, statements of fact or reason um, to our email, which is in the description to the video slash podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe, throw us a like. We would appreciate it. Goodbye.
1: Till next time.